Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Walking in the Word. I am Catherine Hood of Blood of the Lamb Ministries and Heart of the Tribe, and I am honoured to be here with you all today. Thank you so much for joining us. So today's show will be the introduction of a number of shows that we will be doing. The idea for the coming weeks formed on a show we did a couple of weeks ago, when we were looking at different inspirational women from the scriptures. Shell took a look at Mary of Magdal. She touched on the fact that Mary had had seven ruachs cast out of her and asked the question, are we able to overcome these evil ruachs with Yah's sevenfold ruach? And what was the possibility of those ruachs being something like the seven deadly sins? And could we assign a Yah ruach to a specific evil one to help us overcome? It was a fantastic question and concept and one that warranted much thought. Being the Bereans that we are, we thought we we wanted to start out informed and full of scripture and then first and foremost, what the scriptures had to say on the matter of good versus the evil Ruax. Before we get started, let's see who'll be joining me for today's discussion. All the lady jo ladies joining me today are my dear friends and some of my closest sisters. So the first lady I want to welcome is my weekly co-host. This woman has a heart so big and so full of compassion. She is the lovely Lee Carruthers. Shalom Lee and welcome. Shalom. So glad to see you today. I'm really excited about this presentation. Oh, Shalom Lee. It's lovely to see you and I always love being with you. <laughs> so Next up, we have the founder and the spiritual mother to us all here at Heart of the Tribe, the wonderful Shell Wagner. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi, Kat and Lee. Good to see both of you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today, Shell. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good one. Oh, I'm sure it is too. I'm excited to get Dean in. And today we have another lovely lady joining us. She's been with us a number of times before. She is soft-spoken. Beautiful in both appearance and nature, and a wonderful woman of Yah. The absolutely lovely Melissa McIntyre. Well, thank you so much, Kat. Hi, Kat Lee and Shell. It's such a blessing to be here with you today. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. <laughs> lovely to have you with us. Thank you all so much for joining me today. So now, ladies, I know we have all been super excited to get the ball rolling on this one. But as we all know, without laying that proper foundation, the bricks we lay on top will only fall. <laughs> so before we get into our main subject of can we assign certain ruacs of Yah to help us overcome those evil ones, we must first establish with scripture if there is such thing as deadly sins, and if not, is there anything else like that found in scripture? So 
I'm going to get that ball rolling for us today. I have just realised I haven't got my PowerPoint up ready, so <laughs> give me a second. Not that I've got lots on there because I haven't, I promise. <laughs> Thank you, Kess. <laughs> okay. Should we go oh, in this one for now? And then in that one when we've got the thing ready. Yeah, I know I don't know what I'm doing. I'm gonna stop messing there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, at first glance, you may think the seven deadly sins are found listed somewhere in scripture, but is that really the case? And I'm going to start today with a little bit of a history lesson. The Greek philosopher Aristotle in his book. Nicomachean Ethics, I'm trying very hard to say some of these Greeky names today, which is thought to have been written in 350 BCE, came up with a concept known as the Golden Mean. His thoughts were that for every human virtue, there'd be two extremes and that the pendulum could swing either way. So I have a small example of two of those. Okay. So as we can see, in the middle, we have the mean, which is courage. To the excess, we get rashness and in deficiency, cowardice. And then same with modesty. In the excess, we become <laughs> And in the deficiency, shameless. And I am switching between screens and we're on the wrong one there, but you can see what I'm talking about. I couldn't see that then, so you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> his thoughts exceeded the, the number of the seven deadly sins we see today and i think there was at least 12 of these golden mean examples that said they could have been a source or at least played a part in some of that later thinking was this early concept to the formation of the seven deadly sins we'll never know but there are those that say that this is where that idea stemmed from. So let's jump forward into the fourth century to a monk who went by the name of Evagaris Ponticus. Told you it's going to be a lot of fun trying to say some of these names today. <laughs> he wrote what were known as the eight evil thoughts, and they were gluttony, lust, avarice, anger, sloth, sadness, vainglory, and pride. And he wrote this as an instruction to other monks who were serving in the faith and as part of the Eastern Christian Church. And they were not for the general public like ourselves. He was trying to aid his, his brothers, the monks alongside him, to have control over their thoughts so that they would not interfere with spiritual matters. This idea, however, seemed to stick around because then later on in the 6th century, George the Great, who later became known as Pope Gregory I, used them in his commentary of the book of Job. It is here that we start seeing this transition where non-scripture, much like the Talmud, the commentaries and oral traditions of the Jews, became thought as a scripture or at the very least on par with it. Um, before we continue, I think we should say hi to some people that have joined us in the comments. So hi to Helen to Lynn, to my lovely husband, Wirewall, Marty, Rebecca. It's so lovely to see so many of you here with us today. 
<laughs> back to our history lesson. <laughs> um, so this gentleman replaced sloth with envy and he made pride like an overseer of the other seven vices. So um, they were known as the seven deadly sins, but had pride ruling over all of them. So now we take another big jump to the 13th century when a theologian named Thomas Aquinas in the book of the Summary of Theology once again took another look at this list. He kept pride as an overseer of the others, but he exchanged sadness for sloth, bringing it back into the mix. The list we have today, however, was given to us by the Catholic Church. It does not have a ruling sin. They put pride in the place of vainglory, and their list is known as the seven capital sins, but to most, the seven deadly sins. This list has been found in various books and movies and etc. for centuries. And one of the recent, one of the most recent movies was called Shazam. And it has been ingrained into us all through pop culture so much that we actually start thinking it is a part of scripture. But as we have just seen, this may not be the case. The Jewish rabbis also have something to say on this subject. Yetzer Hatov or Yetzer Hara. It means the good inclination and the evil inclination. The Talmud teaches all are created with both. And I'm not going to claim in any way I know anything on this subject. The Talmud and its teachings are not personally something I am willing to go too deep into. But I think it's important to note that they hold on to a concept of these good and evil traits being a part of us all. On a surface level, of having a look at what they believed. This is what I found. So I'm just going to switch here very quickly. Okay. So what we have is in Genesis 2, 7, and Elohim formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. That word formed there you can see i've highlighted it the valve at the beginning is the prefix so that's not included we're looking at the yod yod sardi resh and in the talmud it states that because the word formed yet sar that word formed yet sar contained two yods it is an indication that there are two inclinations of man one bad and one good the word usually only has one yod, and we see this in Genesis 6, 5. There's me having fun switching things around again. Okay. And Yahuwah saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. So I've highlighted the word imagination because that's the one we're looking at. And that is also trans, you know, that is also from the translated word yetzar. But if you look at the spelling, it only has the one yod and not the two. That first part of that word before the dash is the word kol, and it sort of just means like everything. You know, we're saying every imagination, so the whole, everything, all imagination. Yeah. Okay. So there is more to this, but I don't want to go into any further than that. So. 
for my own sake and for all who are listening, I stopped there. <laughs> so the question <laughs> that we must ask is, could this idea have formed earlier than Aristotle's concept of the golden mean, the rabbis, Yetzer HaTov and Yetzer Hara, or the Catholic Church's seven deadly sins? So what does the scripture have to say? Now, Aristotle wrote his book, which contained the idea of the golden mean prior to Mary of Magdal's existence. That said, from her and others in the scriptures, could it be plausible to say we can be filled with ruacs that do harm? So here we go with some switching around again. <laughs> in 1 Samuel 16, 14, but the ruach Yahweh departed from Saul and an evil ruach from Yahweh troubled him. Sure. In Judges 9.23, then Elohim sent an evil ruach between Avimelech and the man of Sh men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dwelt, dealt treacherously with Avimelech. In 1 Kings 22.2, and Yahuwah said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying ruach in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you shall persuade him and prevail also, go forth and do so. And then in Tobit 3.8, because that she had been married to seven husbands, who Asmodeus, the evil spirit, had killed before they had lain with her. So just from those verses alone, we are able to see that, yes, indeed, it is plausible for wicked ruwaks within us and that Yah himself will send them, because it says that Yah sent an evil spirit to him. That's not saying Yah's evil, just that he sends all good, mm -hmm. made all good and all bad. Okay. But the list of the seven deadly sins, I couldn't find anywhere itself within scripture. So the question is, what do we find? So now that we've had my lovely boring history lesson, I am going to let Shell... <laughs> take us forward and let her tell us what she found within the scriptures. Okay. That was a great introduction, Kat. I really like that. I, I love it that we're, you know, taking this from the vantage point of let's be good Bereans and see what does scripture really have to say. So Kat did a really good job organizing this. She kind of assigned us each a little portion for us to look further into and my first thought on it was, boy, I could probably talk 56 hours on these things. So, so, but I'm not going to talk 56 hours. I promise. <laughs> so, but so I've, I just picked a little bit where I'm just scratching the surface of this. And so this is what Kat had sent me is let's take a look at the seven abominations found in Proverbs 6. And then looks, let's look at the seven ruachs of Yah in Isaiah 11. So here, just to read these, let me note that. Okay, so in Proverbs 6, starting in 616, it says, These six things Yahweh hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Um, a proud look, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord 
among the brethren. So we do see the seven ruachs or the seven things, abominations, they are called, that Yah hates, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so then in Isaiah 11, uh, 2, we've got what I believe was given to us at Shavuot in fullness that we, we know would be able to partake. And these are these seven ruachs of Yah and, uh, and starting in Isaiah 11, 2. And the ruach Yahweh, there's one, shall rest upon him. The ruach Hokmah and Bina and Etza and Gevura and Da'af and of the Yira Yahweh. So when we look at those things, I mean, Right here, you've got a ruach of Yahweh shall rest. So I see shalom, you know, when, when I look at that, just shalom in itself as being a ruach coming from Yah. Uh, Hokma, we've got wisdom. Bina, we've got uh, understanding, etza, counsel, gavura, might, da'ath, knowledge. And then the yira of Yahweh is the fear of Yahweh. Okay, so what I did is I decided, what is I, what is he saying here? He's saying that he hates six of these things, and the seventh, he hates it so much that he considers it abominable, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm looking at it from that angle when starting out with what we find in Proverbs. Okay, mm -hmm. so what we've got is Yahweh hates well, the word hates means that they're odious. It's something that's just repulsive. You know, he, he looks at it the same way that I look now at shrimp, right? <laughs> to me, I just see roaches. <laughs> it's nothing appetizing about it. I just see little sea roaches and it's repulsive to me to think about putting that in my mouth. No way, right? It's just how I see it now. So I used to love it. <laughs> So the Hebrew word is uh, sane, sane, you know, I'm probably butchering it with the pronunciation, but it is H8130 in the Strong's and the Brown Driver Briggs. I went ahead and put it into the pictograph. So we've got a shen, a noon, and an olive. So hate, sane, what I'm seeing in the word picture is hate is to destroy We've got destruction, right? We've got, because it's a it's teeth. If you put it in your mouth and chew on it, you're breaking it down. You're going to break it down so that it can be consumed. So I've got destruction. And then we've got the noon. This is brand new life. It's been sprouting up, right? And here we've got a picture of our heavenly father, right? The strong leader, the ox, the first, the chief, our Abba. Right. And so to me, what I saw is that when we hate or when hate is is specifically out to destroy what Yah has planted, what Yah wants to come up, what Yah wants to see flourishing and living. OK, so then I looked at abomination and abomination means he absolutely abhors it. He literally finds it so disgusting. It reminds me of, of um, what Yahushua said in Revelation, that be ye neither hot nor cold, or I will spew you out of my mouth. To me, 
when I see this with abomination, this is what I'm seeing. So the primitive root word for the word abomination, I just took it down to its root, is ta'ab. And that is a tav, an ayin, and a bet. So the word picture is abomination. And this is, the word picture is in Shell's opinion. Right? Mm. <laughs> abomination means a covenant has been established right? With the house, there's our house. And to me, I just see Horus, the, the all seeing eye, you know, of Egypt. That's what I see there. So, you know, to, to live and, and embrace this abomination means you're establishing a covenant with the wrong house. You know, it's not a house, a good house to be in. So, Taking it back here, the first place that we see this is a little further up in the proverb, and it starts at Psalm 612. It says, a naughty person, a wicked man, walks with a froward mouth. He winks with his eyes. He speaks with his feet. He teaches with his fingers. Uh, it's interesting, all the body parts, right, that are being brought into this Frowardness is in his heart. He de devises mischief continually and he sows discord. So, I mean, what is it? We know that from the parable that uh, Yahusha said to understand all parables, you've got to understand this one first. And what happened except that seed was sown into a field. It was, and he told us, this is the word right? The word that, that's being sown. So you can see this, okay? He's sowing discord. So it's just like taking, well, I see it as taking your words that, you know, they've ruminated in here, they've ruminated here, they've typed here, they've walked here, they've done, and now they're spewing out of the mouth, right? And it's sowing seeds of discord, of disunity. Um, to be in harmony is what y'all would like for us. To be discordant is to be out of harmony, it, out of resonance. You're not, it's not producing a good frequency, a good sound, a good energy pattern, if you will. So he says, therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. So haughty is the Hebrew word balial, right? Because this is what he was saying, um, that a haughty person, let me see it here. Oh, I'm sorry, naughty. I couldn't read my own thing because <laughs> it was too small. <laughs> not that haughty, naughty. When I looked up the word naughty, okay, in Hebrew, it was the word belial. Okay, and person is Adam. So this is a mankind that belongs to Balial, is what it's saying. This is what a naughty person is. Okay, and the froward mouth is having perverse speech because you are a person of Balial. You're human, humankind that's come underneath the leadership and the direction of Balial. And you can kind of, I didn't, I didn't map out the word picture here, but we've got the bait, the house, 
and we've got the shepherd we've got the works of hands actually joining with the eye of egypt you know it's like it's grasping it when we look at it and then that's where authority and leadership's coming from that this house is is operating underneath that kind of authority and leadership so and back to proverbs 6 19 it says he that sows discord among the family of yah so discord when we look at that is the hebrew word of 4090 madon it means strife it's a form of 4066 madon a contest a quarrel brawling contention discord strife if we were told to compare two other words to it so I've took it to its primitive root, H1777, which is din. So you've got a um, a doorway. You've got the yod. You've got life coming up with the noon. And so I was looking at this. And to me, what I saw, um, well, no, I'm sorry. I didn't see this. I was, this is the Brown Driver Briggs definition. It, the Brown Driver Driggs says that this is to rule by implication, to judge as an empire, also to strive, to contend, to execute judgment. Okay. So in Proverbs 10, 12, we're told hatred stirs up strife, but mm -hmm. love covers all sins. So I was like, okay, so now we got to look at hatred. What's that? <laughs> right? So hatred is 8135, see and it means exceedingly hateful. Uh, it's got the primitive root of the same one that we looked up earlier, uh, Sana, right? And so we've got the destruction of life of the father, behold. That's the only difference is the behold on the end, the hey. So this is the same thing. So it's hatred, this thing of being you know, hooked to the wrong thing, the destruction of life, the thing that just sees life and says, I don't want it to live, smash it with my boot, pound it down, you know, do away with it, right? Anything, yeah. it's just a seething, nasty spirit. Okay, so what I saw is that our family, Yasharel, has struggled with this since the very beginning. Here we're in Genesis 29, 30 through 32, and, and he went in also unto Rachel. So this is talking about Yaakov. And he loved also Raquel more than Leah, and he served him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Raquel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely Yahweh hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Right? She was just longing to be loved. Right? Because... It says literally that Yaakov hated her. He had this in his heart towards his own wife. This is not a good thing to be starting a family with, right? Okay. So, and she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he had therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So Simeon means like Yah heard the, this, the despair of my heart that I was hated. So there's that in the connection, even with the tribe, a getting over being hated. 
right? So there's some things to process. I find this interesting as we're processing things with the tribes too, right? So then in Genesis 37, 4 and 5, and when his brethren saw their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Yosef dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren and they hated him all the more, right? So this is Yosef because favoritism was coming from the father. It stirred up jealousy leading to hatred in the other brothers. Malachi 1 and 2 says, I have loved you, says Yahweh, yet you say, wherein have you loved us? Was not Esau Yaakov's brother, says Yahweh, yet I loved Yaakov and I hated Esau. <laughs> I mean, amazing. It, it, it Right there. Okay. There's a lot to dig into just with that. And I can't, I'm not going to go down that bunny trail, but there's a lot there. And so I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Then in Romans 9, I saw this. For this is the word of promise that this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rivka also had conceived by one, even by our father Yitzhak, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of Elohim according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calls. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as, as it is written, Yahkah have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with Elohim? Never. For he says to Moshe, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that wills, nor of him that runs, but of Elohim that shows mercy. For the scripture says unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore has he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardens. These things, I mean, when I read these things, these things, that's, that's stuff that's beyond my pay grade. You know, mm -hmm. I read that kind of stuff and I go, you know, that's where y'all, I have to go for your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways mm -hmm. are not my ways, you know, for your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways. And there's some things that it's going to be uh, not just difficult, but, per, but perhaps impossible for me to grasp in in fullness or, or I'll, I'll be lucky to get part you know of these things right yeah so in genesis we see again this example and adam knew who his woman and she conceived and bore cain and said i've gotten a man from yahweh and again she bore his brother haaval and haaval was a keeper of the sheep but cain was a tiller of the ground and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto Yahweh, and Ha'avel he also brought of the first fruits of his flock and of the fat thereof. And Yahweh had respect unto Ha'avel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And Yahweh said unto Cain, Why are you wroth, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, 
shall not you be accepted. And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. And Cain talked with Habel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Habel, his brother, and slew him. I am so sorry. My computer is crazy today. <laughs> and I don't know how to make it just behave. <laughs> All right. All right. Where was I? Okay. And Cain talked with Habel, his brother, and it came to pass. And when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against his against Habel, his brother, and slew him. Okay. So I looked at these things, and then I thought, you know, if I was going to look at any of the Ruachs and say that I see something against this hatred of the brethren, because this was the last thing that he who sows discord among the brethren was the thing that Yah finds to be an abomination. He doesn't just hate it, but he also finds it to be abominable, right? And if I was going to look for a direct opposite of that, for me, it would be the fear of Yahweh. And I know that this is what we're given is what Yah wants for us. And, and to me, this is so special because I see this when I look at what we're doing here at Heart of the Tribe to see that it, um, to see this unity, right? That really is in the Ruach of everybody working together and to let that be an example. And hopefully it will spread out from here and we will see more instances in the body of bone coming to bone and flesh coming back upon the bones and breath coming back into the body that the body of Yahusha would live and move and have its being in him who is the head and directs all things, right? That's our goal. So I love this Psalm. It's Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aharon's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, for there Yahweh commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. I also see this one with the fear of Yahweh. It says, Blessed is everyone, I'm sorry, it's Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone that fears Yahweh, that walks in his ways. For you shall eat the labor of your hands. Happy shall you be, and it shall be well with you. Your woman shall be as, as a fruitful vine by the sides of your house. Your children like olive plants round about your table. Behold that thus shall the man be blessed that fears Yahweh. Yahweh shall bless you out of Zion, and you shall see the good of Yerushalayim all the days of your life. Yea, you see your children's children and peace upon Yasharel. Now, I listened to something the other, the other day. Um, Nita Moshe sent me a uh, podcast, and I believe she posted it in our Telegram group. But anyway, I was listening, and it's... It, uh, Christine uh, Beadsworth, uh, and and I was listening to it, and it was beautiful, and she was talking about how 
you know, in scripture, we're talked about as being, you know, the fruit of the vine, right? That, that we're to have the, be the fruit on the vine, right? And she was talking about that. And she was talking about what is it that the vine does? You know, what do the branches do? They reach down through their root system deep into the earth and bring forth the living water. You know, this is exactly what Lee was talking about on our last Walking in the Word. This living water that comes up, flows through the vine, and that's what produces the fruit. There's not going to be any fruit without the roots that deep dig deep in to tap in to that living water and then bring it all the way through the whole plant system. And that's what it's like with us, too. That we've got to have the, that living water flowing in order f- for us to walk this way. We can't do it on our own. We're flesh, you know, yeah. we're going to mess it up. We're going to say something mean. We're going to get an attitude. We're, we're so subject to these things that are talked about in Proverbs. You know, we're so subject to them in our flesh. It takes Yah's supernatural provision not to be walking in that. All right. So. This last little bit that I have, Matthew 22, 34. But when the Perishim had heard that he had put the Zadokim to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Rabbi, which is the greatest commandment in the Torah? Yahushua said unto him, you shall love Yahweh Eloheka with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great command, commandment, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the Torah and the prophets. In Proverbs 28, 9, we're told that he that turns his ear away from hearing the Torah, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Mm. Now, I just want to stop there for one second because Robert and I were having a conversation this morning and we were talking about would we, you know, following things that are not scriptural, just like what you were talking about, Kat, you know, just just letting these ideas of man be what influences our walk and, and giving things other than scripture credence, you know, say, you know, you give that credence well here's the thing when i'm looking at other religious ideals and 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 this was a big one it makes me shake even saying it a little bit but this is what i see and this is what robert saw as we were having this discussion to deny that yahusha is the son of yahweh is to deny the very word of yahweh to deny all of torah when I'm looking at this in Proverbs, that he that turns his ear away from hearing Torah, I'm looking and I'm seeing since Yahusha is the living word, that he that turns his ear from hearing the words of Yahusha, even his prayer shall be an abomination. There's a very strong reason not to equate things or, and not to give credence to things that deny Yahusha's existence and say that he was nothing but a mm-hmm. troublesome false prophet, right? Amen. I can't follow that. I'm not going to follow that. All right. 
So to finish up in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, you shall not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka or fool, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever, uh, I'm sorry, I totally misquoted that. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, you fool, shall be in danger of the fire of Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you are giving your gift, right? If you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has ought against you, leave there your gift before the altar and go your way first be reconciled to your brother then come and offer your gifts so that was what i had to share on this today that's wonderful shell thank you very much you know isn't it amazing how we see that that strife is huge isn't it mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yara is pointing towards there being some things in his word that he is not happy with us doing that might be those Ruaks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I will share a comment here from um, Laura Lee. There it is. She says, yes, yes, yes. We cannot do it without as living water floweth, flowing through us. Good word, sis. Thank you, Laura Lee. I'm so glad everybody's here with us. We appreciate you guys joining us. Uh -huh. Oh, thank you, Laura Lee. That's a wonderful comment. That um, was so great, Shell. Sorry, Catherine. Oh, go ahead, Lee. That was so great. I, I'm, I'm, probably going to have to go back and re-listen and, and take some notes and, and let that soak all in. But wow, that was just some wonderful information you had there with the word pictures. That was so good. I really enjoyed that so much. So, good. I, I really love those word pictures as well. You know, they really <laughs> show that hate, don't they? Consuming the life that the father has brought. Wonderful, Shell. They do. Wow. <laughs> so lee you were looking into the book of reuben for us weren't you i was and so excited if you're ready for me to start sharing i will share away we'd love you to there we go so i am continuing what Shell and I started on our uh, Heart of the Tribe talk, where we talked about uh, the tribe of Reuben and the and the urinary tract and the urinary system, not urinary tract infection. <laughs> it was it was quite interesting. Um, we did have some funny comments about uh, the holy pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I, I would urge you to watch that show. It was so very good uh, seeing exactly how the body systems and the tribes are lining up. And I just wanted to touch really quick um, 
on the t this is from the testament of Reuben, where he discusses um, the the ruachs uh, of man uh, that are to help man and the ruachs of error. Um, so he he gives both of these, and I just wanted to go back and give us a little understanding, set the stage, if you will. Um, so he's called all of his family together. He's called his brothers that are still living and he's called his sons. Um, and he says, and behold, I call to witness against you this day, the Elohim of heaven, that you walk not in sins of youth and fornication, wherein I was poured out and defiled the bed of my father, Yaakov. I tell you that he smote me with a sore plague in my loins for seven months and had not my father Yaakov prayed for me to Yahweh, Yahweh would have destroyed me. For I was 30 years old when I wrought the evil thing before Yahweh and for seven months I was sick unto death. And after this I repented with set purpose of my soul for seven years before Yahweh. And wine and strong drink I drank not, and flesh entered not into my mouth, and I ate no pleasant food, but I mourned over my sin, for it was great, such as had not been in Yasharel. So he is very remorseful for what he has done. Um, and he's been through a lot, uh, seven months of illness and then seven years in repentance. Um, wow. And I urge you to go back and watch that part of the tribe, uh, the, the tribe of Reuben, because we go into quite a lot of detail with his seven years and the repentance there and continuing into chapter two. And now hear me, my children, what things I saw concerning the seven Ruachot of deceit when I repented. Seven Ruachot therefore are appointed against man, and they are the leaders in the works of youth. And seven other Ruachot are given to him at his creation, that through them should be done every work of man. So we see there, the we're going to see the seven works of youth are going to be... Um, the warnings, uh, the seven sins, the seven uh, ruach of error, meaning this is how we're taking astray. And the others are given at creation to that should be done of every work of man, meaning every step that you take, right? So yes. these are the ruachoth of, of error. And I had done all these together with the error and the and the uh, positive ones together. And then I misinterpreted what we were supposed to do. So I pulled the good ones out. <laughs> so I'll go through the error ones. Um, I don't know. Are we going to go back through again? We'll come back around to, you know, Lee, yourself and Melissa, and I'm assuming you've got the separate ones. And Shell, I'm sure you can just give us a little bit more on those good Ruacs because you're so okay. knowledgeable on them. So we will. We'll just spin back around again, Lee, don't you okay, worry. Okay, good deal. So this is um, the first that he's outlined. First, the Ruach of fornication is seated in the nature and in the senses. And I've got here, uh, this, the, below that is my interpretation and understanding here. So conception is a result, right? It is a sin out of wedlock. And that fornication that he's speaking about is without control over our emotions, our flesh, our urges and desire. 
And also the act may not be consensual, like what happened with Reuben. Um, uh, unfortunately, Bill Haw was drunk and asleep and didn't even know what was done. All she knew was the next day, um, her life pretty much and her purpose was over. Um, the sin of fornication arises from urges and desires, not from logic or self-control. We have the constitution. We have the choice and free will to control our flesh and desires or to sin. And I love that Shell was touching on uh, the Torah. We always seem to all of us flow together with our with our thoughts and, and with our purpose. If we don't fill ourselves with the light of Yahusha, and I've got here in parentheses, the way is the Torah, the truth is the Torah, and the light is the Torah. Then we are functioning in the flesh, right? That's right. And I've got here First uh, John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not the father, but is of the world. We have to remember that. Let's see here. I'm gonna... There we go. The second is the Ruach of insatiableness in the belly. And I've got uh, my explanation, insatiable, insatiableness. I knew I could only say it once. That's, that's all there is. <laughs> it's impossible to satisfy having an insatiable appetite or desire for something, especially with sex. And we saw that this is, this is where Reuben is coming from, is getting out of our flesh, right? Being able to have self-control. Insatiableness starts with a sense of sight. Butterflies in the belly. What the eyes gaze upon, be it food, beauty, or anything we find desirable, can become an addiction. And we pursue with gluttonous action the inability to be satisfied, meaning we just want it all, what our eyes go on. And, and everything can turn into a idolatry to can bring in all the other things that we're supposed to have strong, uh, be strong against envy and jealousy, you know. So I've got Proverbs 27, 20 here. Sheol and Abaddon are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Wow. That's why we have to guard what we put in our eyes, right? Yeah. They're just thinking our eyes are what get us into trouble, aren't they? It's what we're looking oh, at. It gets us in trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. The third is the Ruach of fighting in the liver and the gall. And I've got here misunderstand and misinterpretation of words or emotion. That makes us fight, right? Because we're putting ourselves in what someone else's opinion is or someone else's uh, explanation for, for whatever conversations we're having. Sometimes we put ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, we put ourselves into that where we don't belong. If we are listening for the still small voice of Yahweh, he will lead us down the right path. So we've got to shut our mouth instead of fighting back, instead of attacking back, we've got to close our mouth and listen, right? 
because he's talking. <laughs> I promise you through all of it. He is talking. Excuse me. Are we listening to his voice? His words are the voice of Hasatan and the world, allowing our ears to absorb hate, malice, and anger. You know, like Shell said, we've, we've got to keep the Torah and, and the light and the understanding of that in our life every day. <coughs> every time I get on, it starts. <coughs> so then I've got Mark 4.23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto him, them, take heed what ye hear and what measure ye meet. It shall be measured to you and unto you that here shall more be given. Got to matter uh, how we react to people, what we put in our ears and eyes and not let it affect us to where we react emotionally and, and fight. <clears throat> the fourth is the Ruach of obsequiousness. And that's another word I'm only going to be able to say once. Uh, that means servitude, fawning over others and chicanery, which is deception through trickery that through officious attention, that's excessively forward in offering one's service or advice to others, especially when these services are unnecessary or unwanted, one may be fair in seeming, trying to seem as if you are something you are not or being fake to, to cause things to turn in your favor, which is a deception, right? That's, to me, all of this is deception. Are we entering our private space uh, for prayer and supplication with our Father? So our prayers are a sweet incense, or are we in open spaces putting ourselves strategically with other, others so that we can be seen and heard being righteous, which creates a foul stench to Yahweh, a mm -hmm. foul stench. And this type of Ruach is absent of the meekness and humility. Again, are we following what the Father has set for us as guidelines of how we are to worship him, how we are to come to him? Are we following that for him or are we doing things for ourselves, for our own advancement or to seem, you know, that we're doing the, the good thing? You know, are we really just doing everything he wants us to do the way he has said it? And in 1 Samuel 12, 24, only fear Yahweh and serve him in truth with all your heart for consider how great things he has done for you. And I put this in here because are we serving him or are we serving ourselves? And that's what I got from this fourth Ruach of obsequiousness. I said it twice. <laughs> are we serving him with all of our heart or are we serving ourselves? Doesn't that remind you of like that not letting your left hand see what your right hand is doing? Like we're supposed exactly. to do things for y'all to see and not for man to see, aren't we? Isn't that possible? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how mm -hmm. I see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And that's what I think is so awesome about these from the Testament of Reuben. They actually go along um, with what Shell has brought and, and you'll see them reflected again. Like they're reflected all through the scripture. You know, here is the fifth, the Ruach of pride, that, that one may be boastful and arrogant. Uh, and I looked at this uh, with speech, with our ability to talk is the ability to express pride and boastfulness, uh, self-promote, brag. Pride is a foul word and stench to Yahweh, and he hears not the pride speech of those boasting and arrogant. He just won't hear it. He just is not hearing it. And here we see this word pride. Pride is absent of the Father and his son, mm -hmm. Yahushua, who humbly lived and died for our sins, resurrecting and ascending to his Father's right hand. We have become less so he can become greater. And we see this word pride thrown out now in so many ways um, in our TV, uh, in, in everything. We're surrounded uh, with pride and not just what it stands for, but the word pride in itself is just so ugly to our father. It just really is. And in Pro Proverbs 11, 2, we say when pride comes... Then comes shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. And in Proverbs uh, 16:5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to Yahweh. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. How important is that to realize we absolutely have to be humble and no pride. We cannot have pride to to Yahweh is all the glory. Everything we Amen. do is for him. We should be approaching with total humility. Pride should not be any part in our in our lives. The only thing I'm prideful for is that I'm saved by Yahusha and that I I am living another day where I can read his word and speak to our family here and help anyone else that we can along this narrow path. The sixth is the spirit of lying and perdition and jealousy to practice deceits and concealments from kindred and friends. Lying and practice of deceits and concealments from our kindred and friends is also a foul taste in the mouth as it is without the flavor of our father. It's absent the salt of the truth and righteousness. Lying and deceit will take your strength open away from you as it is without the nourishment of the word that gives us life like that's so important wine does affect you in your tummy if you've ever told a lie i guarantee you you had a tummy ache the whole time you were trying to hide that thing <laughs> it literally fights you from the inside out until the truth comes out and then finally your stomach feels better right because you've deprived yourself of this the Ruach of Yahweh by having that foulness within you that's a lie. Um, and I'm right. John 6.35 here, and Yahushua said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. And to have him, you can't be harboring those lies. You can't be harboring any kind of jealousy or practicing deceit or concealment. You just cannot do it. He can't be within within you when you're doing those things. So we have to have 
ourselves filled with him and his spirit and know that he is the flavor of our lives. He is. He is the only taste that we should have in our mouth, in our heart, in our hands. I just love him. And I, I, I pray everyone can hear and understand none of these things serve any purpose except to separate you from him. Mm. And that is the goal of Hasatan. All of these things that we're talking about today, each one of us are bringing up the sins or this, the Ruach of error, like here with Reuben. This is coming from someone, Reuben, that understood what happens to you when you do these things and what it cost him and what it cost others. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I guarantee you he mourned until the day he died. Uh, Shell and I have talked about that. I, I really feel like he was heartbroken for what he had not only done um, to others, but how he had separated himself from Yahweh, because that's what happened. <clears throat> and the seventh is the Ruach of Injustice, which is the thefts and acts of rapacity that a man may fulfill the desire of his heart. And that rapacity is greed. So the desire of our heart should be Yahweh in keeping his commands. The thefts and acts of greediness to fulfill, fulfill desires of the heart are strictly desires of our flesh. Thievery comes from coveting many, many times, longing for what others have. Adultery is a form of thievery and greediness, pursuing someone that is betrothed to another. When we stray from the commands of Yahweh or participate in anything against him and his nature, we are committing adultery against him. And like Shell said, we've got to guard what we're watching, um, what we're giving merit to. And if it isn't in line with Yahusha is our, is our savior, is our Messiah, that we're supposed to be following the commands in the Torah, then we're committing adultery against him. It's not just that we're making a choice to not keep Shabbat or, or not eat clean. It's not just that. We're committing adultery against our creator and our father. And that is detrimental to your soul. And I'm sorry sometimes for people when they hear us speak, um, they may get uh, offended because they're not following these ways. Um, but this is really a warning call. This is a warning shofar blast um, to the nations because we don't have a whole lot of time left and we should be living every day like it is our last. So we're going to be talking about this every time we're here because it is that vital and important. And I put Proverbs 22.8 for this. He that sows iniquity shall reap vanity and the rod of his anger shall fail that iniquity <clears throat> is also injustice so you cannot sow injustice and think that you're going to reap something good from it you're not um, Yahweh is never going to send you someone else's things or someone else's wife or man <laughs> that's just not <clears throat> in his plans for us amen they and the last one, um, Reuben included here, and with all of these, the Ruach of Sleep is joined 
which is that of error and fantasy. So our sleep also is joined in all of these. And so perishes every young man, darkening his mind from the truth and not understanding the Torah of Elohim, nor obeying the admonitions of his fathers as befell me also in my youth. So we have to guard um, our sleep and understand that sometimes it's come to us that are fantasy-like and we may not act on those. We do get messages. We do get <clears throat> information from Yahweh in our sleep. I do believe that we get poured out on us, uh, you know, prophecies or warnings, but there's also going to be Hasatan that's going to try to enter into your space when you're most vulnerable and asleep with these fantasies. And I think we see here, Reuben is saying, you know, and so perishes every young man with the fantasies that come even in sleep. And in Zechariah 10:2, for the teraphim have spoken vanity and the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, they went their way as the flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. And to me, this says they were having these false dreams and then prophesying pro falsely and bringing things out because they didn't have the shepherd of Yahusha as the, the sounding board. You, we take everything to the word. Our dreams, our waking conversations, everything should be taken to the word of Yahuwah to see is this truly from him or is this something that's a manipulation um, from Hasatan, you know, we have to take everything to the word, every conversation, every opinion. Um, and, and I think if we were doing that, a lot of these, all of these sins would be avoided in everyone's life. It, it just would be. <clears throat> so those are my Ruach of error. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Well done. Yeah, that that's really interesting. I, I, I there's so much meat in that. <laughs> there really is, and uh, and like you said with yours, I think I could have gone on for hours and hours with every bit of it. But boy, what he shows in the layers is just so amazing. It it really is, and and lining it up, you'll see when I go through the other side how those fit together um, beautifully. Uh, it's just the word is amazing, isn't not? It really is. Yes. Every time we have these talks, I learn so much, and it just blows me away. And I have to go back and and dig deeper again. But I I, I pray that the words that we're speaking reaches the ears that need to reach, uh, because mm -hmm. there may be struggling with these very sins, these very ruach of error right now. <laughs> yeah. No, just from what you and Shell have both spoke, we're already building that picture that although the Catholics' idea and the Jews' idea and even the Greek philosophers' ideas, they weren't scriptural, but there was something in them that matters. You know, there really is this war going on for our Ruach. Mm -hmm. As I'm sure when Melissa takes us on the next part, we'll see even more that we have a war going on for us it might not be numbered in the way that they've numbered it or in the way they looked at it but it is certainly there isn't it it is absolutely absolutely and it just amazes me cats 
and Lian Shell, how everything that each of you have spoken on is exactly reflected in Galatians, which Kat asked me to speak on. And I'm so excited because it's one of my favorite scriptures. <laughs> we can't wait to hear what you've got for us, Melissa. Absolutely. <laughs> well, the fruits of the spirit and of the flesh, what Yah showed me is when we walk in the Ruach, it's walking in the word, which fits perfectly with the name of walking in the word. <laughs> so I absolutely love this. <laughs> and when we walk in the Ruach with the rod and the staff of Yahweh leading us and guiding us, our works produced will be works of the Ruach. When we walk in the flesh, allowing the ways of the world and the influence that the world has on us and allowing it to captivate us through lust and desires of pleasure, fruits of the flesh will come forth. And I'll read to you from Galatians 5, 19 to 21, of the, the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of Elohim. And that's quite a, a big statement. And if we have a look at this, here we find 17 works or fruits of the flesh. And what I did was I decided to look a little deeper at each of the meanings of these fruits. And we'll start with idolatry and fornication. Both of these are breaking wedlock, which is in the Ten Commandments. Then we get uncleanness, which means dirty, morally impure, vile, having unclean thoughts. What are we thinking? Are our thoughts in line with the word? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And that's out of Philippians, also one of my favorites. <laughs> Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the Elohai Shalom shall be with you. What are we thinking and what are we doing? Because usually what we think, we eventually end up doing. Isn't that right? In John 15, Yahshua says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So it's his word that makes us clean. Hallelujah. Then we move on to what is lasciviousness? Well, it's lust, sexual thoughts, and acts. Again, we see the importance of taking our thoughts captive and being cleansed through the word. 
It's the only way. Idolatry. What are we admiring? And what are we loving above Yah? Even stubbornness is seen as idolatry, as in 1 Samuel 15, 23. Then witchcraft. It's sorcery, pharmacia, the practice of magic, using spells, fortune-telling, soothsaying, consulting mediums and spiritists, chanting, religious practice, rebellion, and rejecting the word of Yah. That was quite a big one when I realized that. And then hatred. What is hatred as a fruit of the flesh? It's an intense dislike of someone, animosity towards someone, or hostility, loathing, detesting, and thinking ill against someone. What is variance? Variance is being against others. It's being in disunity, just as Shell and Lee were speaking about, the disunity. It's also being inconsistent. And Yah is the most consistent of all. Hallelujah. <laughs> Emulations, what are those? Ambitions of achieving or excelling above others. This I didn't realize. <laughs> it's also regret or striving to be better than others. In other words, comparing us ourselves to others. Our bettering should be between ourselves and Yah, not in comparing ourselves with anyone else. What is wrath? Wrath is extreme anger, rage, fury, even irritability and annoyance and being in a bad mood. Ephesians 4.26 states, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And he said that for a very good reason. And it's because of our hearts. Once it enters our hearts and that root of bitterness starts growing, then we're in danger of the sin of wrath. Then strife. What is strife? It's angry or bitter disagreement conflict or fighting, seditions, creating discord, acts of causing others to fight, speech which causes others to rebel, heresies, what are these? Belief or opinions that are contrary to the truth, the word of Yahweh. In fact, even doubt and disbelief is heresy. Envings, covetousness, wanting what others have, not being content with what we have, not being thankful for what we have. Murders, to kill, to punish, even sinful anger and hatred toward others is murder. As um, Lee and Shell also said, whoever's angry with his brother is engagement danger of judgment, which is the same as murder. So even just thinking of hatred toward another, we are committing murder. Drunkenness, intoxication, not being sober. First Peter 1 13 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, 
seeking whom he may devour. Revelings, this is taking part in noisy festivities, caressing, drinking, and parting. And these are the fruits of the flesh. So that was quite an interesting <laughs> bit of research there. So thank you for that, Katz and Lee and Shell. And now I'm sure you'd like to move on to the, the positive ones. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible, Melissa. You know, you've really explained some there that I probably didn't know the meaning of. So thank you very much. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you really did, Melissa. That was so interesting. When, when you first started saying... Thank you. Um, I'm sorry when you when you when you mentioned that they had that there were 17 immediately you know I started going through the the letters and I and and I was like okay wait 17 is pay it's our mouth you know and how do most things manifest mm. except through our mouth you know and, and we're told over and over you know how important it is to watch what our words are saying you know because yes. it produces whatever we're having in our life and uh exactly. and and so i found that very interesting that there was a connection there that was that was really interesting i didn't know the deepness of of what you brought forth on those on those words that was really interesting thank you <laughs> i very much enjoyed that melissa thank you that was so good i agree with everyone I, the getting the depth of the understanding um is so helpful um, mm. what a great word yes yeah no that really mm. was incredible melissa thank you very very much <laughs> you know i feel like between you know the three the three of you the things you've brought forward we can actually start to begin to person together this message is like repeated over and over throughout the scripture from the old testament the extra biblical books and in the new testament we're painting a picture of what Yah finds an abomination. They're all linked together and it's painting yeah. a beautiful picture of what Yah really does not want in his people. Right. Awesome. So now to the bit nicer side of things, shall we say. <laughs> the Catholics also have a list they call the seven heavenly virtues. Once again, we could ask if these stemmed from the idea of that golden mean by Aristotle and other Greek philosophers do also have a list of what is called the four capital virtues themselves, which were prudence, temperance, courage and justice. The Catholics also teach what was known as the three theological virtues and they got those from the book of Corinthians and they are love and hope and faith. We all know those ones well. They teach these are not natural to man in their fallen state, but they are granted to us at our baptism. And I would assume really in the Catholic Church, maybe they, when you are christened as a baby, maybe, because they don't do things in the same way Protestants do things. Right. <laughs> in the 5th century, a Christian governor named Arulis Prudentis, and I've probably not said that right at all, but whatever, wrote a poem named Psychomachia, and it meant the battle of the soul. And it was proposed what, what is known as the seven contrary virtues. 
to directly counteract the seven deadly sins. And they were humility, kindness, abstinence, chastity, patience, liberty, liberally, lib liberality, can't get me words out right there, and diligence. <laughs> In all honesty, the more I looked for a list to use today, the more differences I found. It would appear that there are lots of different lists with lots of different names, and they all seem to have slightly different virtues to them. Now, some may know and some may not have noticed that there seems to be a little bit of discrepancy we have the eight evil thoughts that were written in the fourth century then becoming the seven deadly sins in the sixth century yet this poem about virtues was done in the fifth century i've got no explanation for that you go research it yourself you'll come up with the same answers as me we seem to have an eight then a seven in between that doesn't really match up and then another that changes to a seven so Confusing dates aside, I think from looking at the so-called seven deadly sins, we can say, although that particular list and number may not have come from scripture, there is an argument to be made that there are evil ruacs at work within us all, and definitely evil lusts of the flesh, things that our flesh wants that we just shouldn't want, really. Earlier on in the um, from the book of Tobit, we read how Sarah had that ruach with her that was killing her husbands. Yah sent the angel Raphael to rid her of this ruach. Raphael is said to be one of the seven angels before the throne, and we actually do read that in Tobit itself. So just add this back very quickly. Okay, I am Raphael, one of the seven holy angels, which present the prayers of the saints and which goes in and out before the glory of the holy one so isn't that awesome he's the one not only coming down here to do some healing according to that book but also he's taking our prayers up before the throne how wonderful is that ladies and so we can see here what is said to be one of the seven higher ups on the bad side this spirit that is ruling over sarah's husbands and murdering them being overcome by one of someone from the good side so in scripture we're seeing this war of the evil with the good and with king saul who was overcome by a evil ruach it was music that would remove that so in 1 samuel 16 23 and it came to pass when the evil spirit was spirit from yah was upon saul that david took a harp and played with his hand so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So we can see there, it is possible that there are things we can use to overcome mm -hmm. the wicked things, and it may be different things. So it's, but it's all good from Yah. So it's like, the speech we use may be a good way of using overcoming, which would be the word of Yah, wouldn't it? Which I can, you know, all referred to that power in the word of Yah. Could be music, maybe, but it could also be that he has provided ruaks to lead us in the way that we should go and help us to overcome. So, my lovely ladies, 
I'm going to hand over to each of you to just give us a little bit of a how you think those Ruacs may be used to overcome the things that you've looked at. Very good. Yeah, I, I mean, I did, I did a, I'll share my screen for just a moment. Before Shavuot, I um, really was wanting to look at these Ruacs. And so Melissa's husband, Chris, and I got together and we he did part of this series with me and part of it I did on my own before he helped me with it. But we were using this particular um, menorah that I'd found online, looking at these different Ruachs, you know, and, and meditating on them each week as we led up to Shavuot. And so for me, I was just looking at this thing, you know, how, how does the Ruach of Yahweh, his very breath, how does this correspond with what I understand happened at Passover? Well, I was given the opportunity for life, you know, that's what happened. And, and his, his wisdom of, of the unleavened bread of looking at sin in my life and saying, I don't want this in my house. You know, boy, there's wisdom there, right? Um, understanding first fruits, understanding who I now am, that the old person is dead. And because oh, yeah, defeated death, hell and the grave. Now I have a new position, you know, mm-hmm. on heaven and in earth. It's different. Things have changed. And, and when I understand that, then I can order my my conduct and my words in a different way. I have the ability to do that. When I'm looking at his counsel, what happened on Shavuot with the giving of these of the ruach into my life, that I can have the ability to hear his still small voice in every circumstance. You know, uh, Melissa, you were just talking about that. We've we've all been kind of talking about that of being. You know, he's he's speaking. Lee was saying he's speaking in the midst of these situations, right, of all that's going on. And and it's so true. You know, then there's this Ruach Gavura of power. You know, this is the day of the blowing. It's the it's the coronation of the king. It's the day that I'm looking for Yahusha to come back on that day. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I believe that he will return on Yom Teruah. That's just how I see that feast. And so every feast, I'm looking at that, you know, and um, we blow that trumpet when we, you, you know, that the, the moon is dark and a new moon is coming. And, and there is power in that there's power in that shofar blast you know mm-hmm. you can see it there so then ruach da'ath or knowledge yom kippur you know the the holiest feast of the year the the one where we're to fast and we're to uh let our flesh go into submission unto who he is right we're to put our flesh way under submission to who he is and deny ourselves so that his knowledge may increase in us. We decrease, he increases. And who is our high priest that does this, that increases, except Yahusha, the only one qualified to go before the father as our, as our um, advocate, right? 
And then we've got the Ruach Yira Yawa Sukkot, you know, and this is just what I was just concentrating. It is Psalm 133. It's the, it's the brethren dwelling together in unity. It's the oil pouring down from our priest, Yahusha, all the way down his body, saturating the garments, flowing down, you know, onto the children, right? And it's, it's dancing in unity. It's rejoicing. It's waving the, the Luvlov, you know, the, it's, it's building the sukkah. It's knowing that he is our protection, you know, that, that he's, that we're safe with him. And, and that is the fear of Yahweh, because if I, if I fear him first, no other fear is going to rule over me because mm -hmm. I know that he's everything. And so those mm -hmm. other fears can be put in place and underneath because I know the one to fear. So that was just kind of what I was thinking. I hadn't done a good job of preparing for that. Well, well Shell, you know, like you already did do it because you were speaking on that, how that it's that unity that overcomes that strife and it's mm -hmm. perfect and utterly beautiful. You know, I've never like really thought about it in that way before, but he has equipped us with ways of dealing with that hatred that causes strife, hasn't he? And bringing forth the unity overcome that you know and as you said yourself here at heart the tribe that's exactly what we're trying to do yeah you know it's it's funny when you think about it, i was reading a book um and and they're telling a story about the fact that in primitive cultures they try to bring in like a competitive game from modern you know culture say like soccer you know and they bring it in and they try to introduce it but when you live in a community where you live or die by your brother or sister and what they do, they are not competitive. What they want to do, he said, every time that this soccer game is tried to be taught, they throw the rules out. And what they do is they make a different game of who can keep it up in the air uh, going from person to person the longest. How can we cooperate the best to make the ball do what we want it to do as a team, as a group, right? Whereas in, the, in our modern day culture, we see this constant thing of striving. Who can be, you know, I'm going to stab you in the back so I can get one rung up. You know, <laughs> this is not... This is not what y'all wants for us. This is not how we're to operate in his kingdom. We're to appreciate each other's gifts, talents, and abilities and desire to see those gifts, talents, and abilities that we see in others exalted so that everybody can learn. Because when I listen to what Melissa has to teach us out of Galatians, I'm going to be stronger because of her study. You know, when I listen to what you have to bring to the table, Kat, and I get to watch your leadership skills and see how you do things, well, then I get to experience something new. You know, if all I'm doing is watching myself, I'm not learning anything new. You know, it's, you know that picture's not really changing because it's not being challenged. You know, yeah. when I listen to Lee teach and, and listen to her perspective of things, I'm getting a whole different. She has spent a lifetime studying something that I really don't have much of a clue about, 
you know, but we're coming together on on the heart of the tribe show and and she's bringing her knowledge to the table and i'm bringing my knowledge of study from the scripture on these things and we're putting it together and it's making it so much more interesting for everybody who's listening than if they were listening to her alone or me alone it's you know together it is a fuller picture a a more complete message and I think that that's what we're doing. I love this with the tribe. I just really believe that it takes every tribe to make that wheel turn in unity. Otherwise, you knock a you knock a spoke out. It's just going to limp along, you know, like having a flat tire. Right? Yeah. It's just it's just going to limp. It's not going to work the way it's supposed to. And we're seeing that in the body systems. How how gracious Yahusha gave us the picture of understanding we are the body. You know, you start ripping out a system and thinking you don't need it. You're going to find out real fast. You're in trouble. <laughs> right. It's not going to yeah. work. No, it's like that brothers in arms, isn't it? You know, like men of war, they're looking out for that. They know if the person to the left or to the right of them doesn't do their job properly, then they're all going to fail and. Yeah. You know, when we're learning to work together, aren't we, in such a beautiful way that we all support each other, rather than trying to get one up, we're all trying to make sure our brother next to us doesn't fall behind or doesn't get caught in enemy lines, but all caring for each other. And I think you've really hit the nail on the head there with this, you know, that strife is overcoming unity in that bond of working together. And it's utterly beautiful what you've brought forth there, Shell, honestly, gorgeous. Thank you, Pat. That is beautiful. Shell, when you were speaking, I was thinking that's exactly, it's a beautiful woven tapestry. When we work together in unity, a tapestry that glorifies Yah. So thank you for that. Wow, Shell. <laughs> thank you, Melissa. Mm -hmm. So beautiful and a reminder, you know, we wouldn't cut our own hand off and think that that's going to improve our situation at all. You know, we need that hand. We need our foot. We need all of us. And we should be striving to lift each other up because when one succeeds, we all succeed. Right. And that's his plan, right? For all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you know, when I think about this, because I mean, we're, we're dealing and we've said it here, our time's probably short that this is how we meet, you know, and when it does, I'm going to, I'm going to miss this so much because so many of my friends, you know, are right here, but hopefully what we're doing is we are strengthening ourselves for then what he has next on our journey. And it's probably going to be a whole lot of people that do not have not spent the time in the scriptures that we have that don't understand these principles. And hopefully we're going to bring this forth in a way that's palatable to whoever is put in our circle in, in front of us. And hopefully all this diversity will make us really tolerant of others and we can see where their struggles are and see how can I give them a hand up, you know, so that we can deal with whatever is thrown at us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Definitely, Shell. Beautiful. I love your insight on things. And like you were saying, we all have such different views on everything and it makes one complete picture. 
It's like we're all little jigsaw puzzles actually on this screen right now, isn't it? And we're making one complete picture. So, Lynn, what do you have for us on the... Well, you can tell everybody what they're called because I can't yes. remember how they did it. It is quite different the way he put it. So we went over the, we are already covered the seven uh, Ruikoth of error. And these are the seven other Ruikoth that are given to man at his creation that through them should be done every work of man. So this is what we're given to work with, right? And I had misunderstood the email so i pulled this out so i'm going to be reading off of my other document um, because i overthink everything <laughs> <laughs> so the first uh that reuben brought to us is the ruach of life with which the constitution of man is created so that first uh ruach of error was fornication so the opposite of that, to counteract that, is the Ruach of life. So it's the essence of our being. It's our cognitive development and emotional development, our ability to reason, our ability to control our urges and our desires. It's self-control. It's uh, our life is a gift. Um, just like Shell was saying, just like everyone has brought forward, our life is a gift by our Father Yahweh. He formed each of us in the womb and breathed his life into, into us, into each of us. How awesome is that? If that isn't a miracle in itself, I don't know what is. <laughs> I don't know what you would call a miracle. When we're going through these body systems every week, um, Granted, I graduated nursing school quite a long time ago, but I was doing that study and with different lenses uh, that I'm doing study with now. And I realize how intricate and delicate his creation is and just his creation of life. It's just such a, a miracle and a blessing, blessing. It's a blessing. It's not a choice. It is a life. Yahweh instilled in us the constitution of goodness, right? Mercy and kindness, as well as free will. And it is our choice what we become. It's our choice what we do. So the opposite of that was the, the Ruach of fornication, which we saw was of the flesh and, and self-gratification. So the second is the sense of sight, so not all of these are presented by Reuben as a Ruachov. Some of them are, are presented as our senses. And we know that the sense of sight, which are, and he's got, with which arises desire. So that is the counter to the second Ruach of insatiableness. Um, so with that sense of sight, eyes are the windows to the soul, right? where lust, jealousy, envy, and idolatry originates. It's the first step to perception. And we're usually wrong with what we're seeing to think that we're seeing it one way. My grandma always said, uh, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. And she's right, because if you don't know the whole thing that's going on, you're going to perceive something totally wrong. So... <laughs> We've got to guard our eyes. We take everything and our brain processes what we are looking at. And we can create 
these sensory reactions. We have to guard our eyes um, more so than just about any of the rest of our senses. Um, and our sense of sight, sight does not require logic, reason, or the other senses. So most of the works of the flesh start with sight, idolatry, envy, and mm-hmm. hatred, you know, for whatever reason, um, that ruach of insatiableness in the belly, that desire, it directly is the the counter or the opposite of what can happen with your sense of sight. The third is the sense of hearing. And here we go with that uh, belief. None of what you hear, or half of what you hear. You have to be really careful and guard that as well, don't you? Um, with that uh, comes teaching, according to Reuben. So the third is the sense of hearing with which comes teaching. So we use it to listen and understand the spoken word, um, to take and enjoy music and nature. Um, we can hear frequencies, the alarm of a shofar, the sounds of danger. Um, or nature. Uh, You can discern emotion through hearing. Uh, You can hear in another's voice anger, love, sadness, mourning, happiness, joy. And we also can hear Yahweh in that still small voice. And that went in contrary or correlation to the third Ruach of fighting where I said we have to be listening to that still small voice, don't we? That's the first thing we should be gearing our ears to hear, because if we gear our ears to hear him, we're not going to be pushed into fighting. We're going to try to reason. The fourth is the sense of smell with which tastes are given and to draw air and breathe. It allows you to, and this is my my take on it, allows you to decide if what you're tasting is poison. Or is it rotten? Is it is it good? Is it ripe? Is it sweet? Sour? Um, the sense of smell, you can smell the rain. You can smell smoke, the earth, the ocean, a baby, or your spouse. And all these are senses where you can, each person has their own smell. Like you could literally pick your spouse or pick your child out. I know I could by their smell. You know, your baby, that's the... The first thing a mother does when you get that baby is your in your arms is smell them. They just smell amazing. And I'm talking <laughs> before the bad smells show up. <laughs> the first little bit, you've got that baby like the new car smell hasn't wore off yet. And oh, it smells so amazing. Isn't that wonderful, that sense of smell? And the opposite of that was the Ruach of Obsec. Ob- Weakness, uh, which was, you know, all of those things that we do that aren't exactly truthful with our our worship uh, of Yahweh. The fifth is the power of speech and with which comes knowledge, because with speech we can teach, we can uh, express emotions, we can provide instruction, we can sing a song. We can worship and praise. Uh, Speech helps us in so many ways. We can share the word of Yahweh, and we also can choose to speak life or death. And just like uh, each of us have said, you have to be very careful the words that you use with others because 
your words of hate and anger can damage others. It can have implications that may carry forward way beyond the 10 seconds it took you to say something out of hate. And it can wound Mm -hmm. and scar in a way that that person will take with them uh, forward for a long time. I know there are some words I still now pray for forgiveness that I ever spoke and that I also deal with that were spoken to me um, that hurt me terribly. And Hasatan loves to remind us of those things, doesn't he? Uh, I used to, when I wasn't very good on my walk and staying in prayer and, and guarding what I saw and what I listened to at night when I would lay in bed, uh, Hasatan would play a reel of every bad thing I ever said or every bad thing every ever said to me. And it would go all night and my anxiety would just be terrible and awful by the time I got up, got up. So my life changed feeling my, my Ruach with Yahweh and with Yahusha and with the word. And, and honestly, that's how you combat that. <laughs> it doesn't mean it, that the Hasatan's not going to try to get in that way. It just means you're able to combat that because he's already there. So the opposite of this fifth one, uh, which was the power of speech, was the Ruach of pride. And of course, that would be the opposite, because what do we do with our speech um, when we're not following Yahweh? Well, we're prideful and we're boastful and we're arrogant. And those words hurt ourselves and they hurt others. So the sixth is the sense of taste with which comes the eating of meats and drinks. And by it, strength is produced. For in the food is the foundation of strength. And while there's such a deep meaning here, it goes beyond our belly, uh, so far beyond our belly. The sixth one opposite was the spirit of lying. And and I wanted to bring that up before I got into this because we'll see. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Taste is subjective for each person. Uh, what one person likes, another may not. I've found that out uh, with all my children who do not like asparagus. I don't know how you couldn't like asparagus. It's yummy, but it is subjective. <laughs> it tastes uh, in the sense we can, that it can also warn us if what we're eating is rotten. Is it poison? Is it sweet or ripe? Is it hot or salty? And I found looking in here, this just touched me. The word of Yahweh is sweet as honey. That was from Psalms 119.103. Strength comes from the nourishment of food, but one cannot live by bread alone. But the word of Yahweh, we must have the spiritual strength and the nourishment of the word that is in the most beautiful taste. That's the most beautiful taste we can have in our mouth is the word. So that, that is uh, the John 6.35, Yahushua said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. How beautiful is that? People always think the sense of taste in, in eating, that's to satisfy your belly. Well, I say the taste is the word in your mouth, and, and that's where you get that flavor and the salt of life from right there. Amen. What a wonderful place. And the seventh is the power of procreation and sexual intercourse, which 
through love of pleasure, sins enter in. Wherefore, it is the last in order of creation and the first in that of youth, because it is filled with ignorance and leads youth as a blind man to a pit and as a beast to a precipice. And that is Reuben's take on that. And we know what happened uh, with his discretion and how he paid. The opposite of this uh, was the the seventh Ruach of injustice. Um, and that was the thefts and acts of rapacity and that man may fulfill the desire of his heart. And you can see how the power of procreation and that are exactly uh, correlate together. Uh, procreation is necessary and it was given uh, to a man and wife, to a husband and a wife and and his wife, right? So that uh, through means of sexual intercourse designed by the father, they bring a child into the world from that union. Um, the flesh of the man, however, is weak and he will greedily pursue pleasure over being righteous and spotless if he is not walking in the way, the truth, and the life, right? If mm -hmm. he is not grounding himself with Yahweh, this gift from the father is turned into exactly the opposite of, of what the gift was intended to. Um, and we see, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but we see a lot of debate and argument about when life begins and, and that we people should be able to do away with the results of their sexual immorality. And we know that that is not the answer. The answer is to control your flesh um, mm -hmm. that is made between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife that are together in that union to raise that child, because that's what that was made for was to make a baby and for the husband and the wife to have together and enjoy together. So that sexual immorality drives a wedge between us and Yahweh for he cannot reside within filthiness. And we've seen that the greed of the flesh, he can't, he cannot reside within that. And he doesn't, he doesn't. And I put in here, um, let's see, first Thessalonians uh, four, three through seven is my last bit. For this is the will of Elohim, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that everyone you should know how to possess, possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passionate lust, even as the other nations which know not Elohim, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that Yahweh is avenged of all such as we have also forewarned you and testified. For Elohim has not called us, called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. Besides mm -hmm. all these, there is an eighth Ruach. Oh yeah, there is an eighth Ruach of sleep, but I've already covered that. So those were mine. Wow. That was wonderful, eh? Reuben had such a great insight, didn't he? Through and you know this is coming from a place of he's been there, done that, got the yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was so interesting the way you did that with the senses. 
you know, of going into those senses and, and thinking about it that way, because, you know, aren't we led around by those things being human? Those things, I mean, we, we live and die by those, by those things and to let an evil lead take hold of them we're going to easily go in the wrong direction. It really interested, it really interested me when you were talking about dreams, you know, you know, I've shared lots about this, that I came from a very dark past. Well, and, and Yaha delivered me out of great darkness. And one of the things that took a long time to get turned around, you know, no matter what I was trying to do while I was awake at night, I would get plagued. We would we would talk about it even in meetings that I went to, 12-step meetings, that it was, um, we call them like drinking dreams. It was like in your dreams, you would fight all night long. You know, you were, you were either, you know, trying not to drink or trying to get away from evil, trying to avoid it, but you were just like hounded, like pursued. And this went mm -hmm. on for a long time in my life. You know, that fight, there was such a fight. And I think it's, it, it's, I, I just relish today and what Yah's done for me that now, like, I didn't know, I, I had wrestled, I had seen what Kat had sent me, but I've had a lot going on and I've had a lot of things I've been trying to dig into. And I really didn't know what I was going to talk about today. And I went to bed last night and I was like, I'm so tired physically. Yeah, I am just so tired that I know that I need to rest. So I'm going to lay down and I'm just going to ask you to, and I went to bed early. I went to bed at like nine o'clock at night. I was just done. You know? And I said, rather than, you know, me trying to put my mind on it and figure it out and get it all down before I'll allow myself to rest. I'm going to trust you instead. I'm going to go ahead and just go to bed and I'm going to trust you to wake me up. And when I wake up, I know that you're going to have told me in my sleep exactly what you want me to talk about today. And that's exactly what happened. I got up at 4.30 because y'all was ready for me to work on it, but I had rested. And Robert looked at me. He's like, it is awful early. What are you doing up? And I said, it's okay. I know what I'm supposed to do now. <laughs> my brain reset. <laughs> You know, and so I, I just think that's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic and one that I don't think people realize all the time when you come out of a really dark place. Don't get discouraged if you're wrestling at night. Yah is at work and he is mm -hmm. working on your thinking patterns and bringing healing and rest restoration to your mind, even as you rest before him. And so if that happens, don't feel guilty over it, shameful over it. It's nothing that you're doing wrong. You know, I had to fight all that and people didn't really talk about it, you know, mm -hmm. but, but it happens. It's just part of the process and you will cut, just keep doing the next right thing to the best of your ability and you'll come up out of it. Amen. I, I know exactly what you're talking about and I spent, mm -hmm. Most of my life having the dreams related to traumas I have lived through and fought mm -hmm. them constantly. It's like it wasn't bad enough going through it the first time. Now I get to go to sleep and and have it, you know, be on repeat in a reel mm -hmm. all night long, you know. Mm -hmm. And it took it took this journey onto the narrow path and actually following Torah, putting his word 
um, reading his word constantly, being in prayer constantly for the first year of this, I feel like that's that it was me just crying out, you know, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. Heal me, help me. And he did. And I don't, I don't have those dreams anymore um, of trauma. You know, it's, it's rare if I, if I do, and it's never to the capacity that it was. And I do feel the adversary uses that against us in our most vulnerable state. Uh, Reuben said sleep uh, reflects death and he's right. You know, when we're in sleep, we're at our most vulnerable state. Everything Mm -hmm. slows down in our body. We are as close to death as you can be, you know, when you're asleep. And, and that's when he's going to attack you because you are vulnerable. Um, And he knows he can try so hard to influence your depression, you know, trigger you. So when you get up, you have a bad day. Even if you went to bed in prayer, he thinks he can change it where you get up in sorrow. And I just refused and refused and refused. And finally it stopped, you know, and now I I do, when I go to sleep, I pray he protects me from those traumas, from those reminders. Mm -hmm. And he hears, you know, even if one tries to sneak in, I know I'm still, if he wakes me up, I'm going to get up and I'm going to praise him and thank him and on with my day. It doesn't, it's not having that effect anymore, you yeah. know. Amen. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. wow. We have a little wow. release saying the same thing. She suffered with nightmares for years until... Mm-hmm. She allowed you all to heal her from the traumas. And you do have to allow him. She's exactly right there. Um, people don't realize we do have the power to allow him to take those things. And and with trauma, sometimes we want to hang on to it, you know, because we've had it for so long. I've carried this around so long. What do you mean I can give it up? You know, yeah. this is mine. I have this, you know, no, you need to give it, give it up and let it go. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's, oh, I'm sorry, Melissa, you go first. Oh, I was just saying that is so, so true, Lee. And thank you for, you've given such a deeper understanding to so many aspects of the Ruachs that affect us and and how, you know, Yah helps us. I mean, even I, myself, and, and all of us, my daughter and I, funny enough, were talking about it um, today, about dreams and what an effect dreams have on us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our dreams, especially if it's an attack from Satan, it, it can be worse than even our reality that we live in. And it can affect our thoughts, the way we feel, what we think, our perspective on things. So thank you for that. That is such an excellent teaching. Such yeah. an excellent teaching. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And sorry, every night we, <laughs> my daughter even reminds me, Mom, we need to pray that Yah gives us good dreams and not evil dreams. <laughs> he protects us from evil dreams because it really is something that affects us. It and is. it's something that we don't often talk about, but it's a huge reality in our lives. Yeah. So I have to do the same thing, pray for good dreams, because mm-hmm. I know if I don't, that's probably where I'll get attacked, is in my sleep. <laughs> yeah. 
And there's no limit to the badness that can happen in your sleep, right? Those, no. Some of yeah. the most Laura Lee's got here. Uh, let me see if I can put this up. Whoops. <laughs> I used to have you. I used to have using dreams that were so real. It took me a while after waking up to work through it, determining if I had really relapsed. Wow. Yeah. wow. I have definitely had trauma dreams where I woke up and thought, did that just happen again? Yeah. Like it would cold sweat, headache, heart pounding, like literally feel like you need to get up and run, you know, like where do I go? What do I do? And then you're like, okay, I'm safe. I'm home. I'm protected. Everything's fine. You know, I totally understand that. And Melissa, you're so right. And Catherine, we have to pray before we go to sleep. We really mm -hmm. do to protect us because let's face it, we're, we're on this path and that's one of the only places that we've left Hasatan to get to us. You know, yeah. we manage and balance all the arrows that come at us during the day. And he thinks, well, now you're vulnerable. I gotcha. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's the interesting. Sorry, Melissa, off you go. No, sorry, Kat. No, I wanted to mention that a while back in my life, I I remember I was struggling with, you know, love <laughs> and especially towards certain people in my life. And I, the one night I prayed and I, I asked Father, I said, Father, please even give me a dream to help me to love this person. And I tell you that very night, he gave me a dream where I woke up the next morning and I had the most amazing love for that person. I cannot even explain it. A love that remained and it's, it's, I cannot even explain it. It's just a miracle, something incredible. He yeah. gave that love to me in a dream. <laughs> That's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. That is gorgeous, Melissa. Now, isn't it interesting when we're letting go of addictions or we've been through trauma or even when we're pregnant in that early pregnancy stage and take it from somebody who's been pregnant six times, <laughs> you have a load of weird, very vivid dreams. You know, is that like a hormonal change? Lee will probably know. Is that what it is? Those hormones are changing and it just gives you the most crazy of dreams you've ever had. The same when you're coming off from using something or when you've been through things you know isn't it interesting that there are those times in our life when we get those dreams from what lee was saying as well that sense of smell in the oto class me and shell did yesterday you know she had that verse from i think it's corinthians correct me if i'm wrong shell where we as believers have a smell to some the smell of death and to some the smell of life you know isn't that interesting that that ruax's in there that senses in those ones of reuben and yeah. yeah, people can smell us when we come into some we stink of death. Isn't that really? Yeah. Well, I've always enjoyed those verses, Kat. I think I think it's second. I think it's Second Corinthians six, six, if I'm remembering it right. And I think it's within that passage. But it 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 does. It talks about you know to some we are an odor of life. You know, a, a reminder that 
that they've got a place in heaven, right? Mm -hmm. And so it brings a sense of joy when they see us. But other people, when they smell us, what they smell is the sense of their impending death because they do not know yeah, and they do not want to. There's a, it, it's a strange thing because you can have somebody that's not walking with Yah, does not know Yah, but yet wants to, and there's a pull towards you. You know, I, I wonder if they smell even both, like possibility or, you know, like here's the choice, yeah. you know, it's a strange thing. It's, it's something happening that we can't, necessarily discern every aspect of it but there is something to do with the smell and mm -hmm. and others that have no interest and they stay as far away from you as possible you'll notice it like when you walk in places or walk into a room or you're invited to a social thing i i notice there are certain people that they get as far on the other side of the room as they can from me they're watching me but they've got an eye on me, but they don't want to have a conversation with me, you know, and the looks that I see are not good. And then literally I've come upon somebody, you know, not being really aware of what was happening, like a, a grocery store cook. This was one of the, this was one of the most vivid ones that happened is I, this guy was just restocking at Whole Foods and I needed to know where something was and he was an employee. And, and I asked him where something was, I, I wasn't in like a spiritual frame of mind. I was in a wife frame of mind that needed to get her grocery shopping done. Right. You know, because it's like, we live in these two existences at once, but the minute that he turned around and he couldn't even get words at, out towards me, it came out. He, he was trying to say words, but he couldn't, it came out as a growl. You know, he, he couldn't form words. And I could see that thing in him that was smelling death. It, it, not the person, but he was so ate up by this evil Ruach that was inhabiting him, you know, and and, and he didn't want free. You know, that's also the instance because, you, you know, it, we're cautioned. You don't lay hands on someone unaware. You don't. You don't, uh, you know, you don't try to cast things out that people don't want to get rid of their demons. You know, I, I've watched it happen to someone I've and I've seen and I watch. I got to see them in the 24 hours after it happened to someone. And I saw seven more come back. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's not a pretty thing. I've seen these things happen. And mm -hmm. these things that scripture talks about, this is real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very real. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> so my lovely Melissa, would you please <laughs> tell us what you are for in Galatians? Oh, thank you, Kat. This is my absolute favorite part. <laughs> the fruits of the Ruach. Oh, I love, I love this part of scripture. So thank you for asking me. <laughs> So we read in Galatians 5, 22 to 24. But the fruit of the Ruach is love, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law put in place. And they that are Yahusha HaMashiach's, 
have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. Here we find nine works or fruits of the Ruach. And I took a little bit of a deeper look into these and I'll share with you. Love, what is love? And many people, especially, I mean, I've heard so many people say, what is love? And I love this um, scripture as well, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 13, 4 to 8, which is also one of my favorites. And it says it all about what love is. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly or rudely. It seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. <laughs> I just love that scripture. And then in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, which shall actually said right in the beginning as well, you shall love Yahweh with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And in John 15 verse 12, Yahusha says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Then we take a look at joy. Joy, being happy and joyful in Yahusha, not what is happening around us. Do we express joy even in our trials and our tribulations, in our sufferings? The joy of Yahweh is my strength. Peace. Peace is freedom from disturbance it is tranquility to be still and in psalm 46 verse 10 yah reminds us be still and know that i am yahweh and this reminds me of what lee was saying hear my voice be still and you will hear my voice and you will know that i am yahweh Matthew 5 verse 9, Yahusha says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of Yahweh. Long-suffering, to be patient, mm, not an easy one, <laughs> to persevere and endure suffering, even through trials and tribulations. Gentleness, being tender, mild-mannered, tolerant. A likeness, being soft and mild, not harsh and severe. It's being considerate of others and showing compassion. Goodness, moral excellence, virtue, excellence of quality, and being generous. What is faith? Faith is complete trust and confidence in Yah. Do we trust him completely? Hebrews 3 verse 19 says, 
and they do not enter into my rest because of disbelief. Do we believe in his promises? James 2 verse 14 tells us, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. We will see his promises when we believe and act in belief, regardless of the circumstances that are around us. Meekness, being submissive, yielding, and being calm. It's having a humble attitude, expressing itself in the patient endurance, even of offenses. This is the opposite of pride. Romans 12, 16 says, be of the same mind toward one another, and here again comes unity. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, Yahweh resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 25 verse 9 says, And the humble he teaches his way. Wow. <laughs> Temperance. This is emotional restraint, not being quick-tempered, showing self-discipline and self-control. It's an inward strength and control over the flesh, a strength that only comes from Yah. Psalm 118 verse 14 Yahweh is my strength and my song, and he has given me victory. Then we find in Matthew 3 verse 8 where it states, Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. So there we see another fruit of the Ruach, repentance. In verse 10 it says, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. In John 15, 1 to 5, another of my favorite scriptures, it states, how do we bear these fruits? Well, Yahusha tells us, I am the vine of truth, and my father is the husbandsman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except that you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the Netzarim. He that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing.
Therefore, when we are found in prayer and walking in the word, and when we truly repent, we walk in the Ruach, we abide in the vine, we abide in his love, and he brings forth the fruit of the Ruach in us. Thank you, Kat. Oh, amen, Melissa. That was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. I could listen to you talk all day, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so beautiful. It is. You know, and I was talking about it, and I was listening to you talk about it, and I'm thinking about, you know, that the gentleness and the other things, and and, and I have to look and I have to, like, measure that in my personality i mean i try to be gentle to the best of my ability with my personality but i don't really have a gentle personality it's not it's not exactly who i am right but but with who he's called me to be it doesn't mean that i'm not required to do my best to reach towards that you know and to bring it into balance and do it the best way that i know know how we're all called to very different things you know and, and it's it's interesting to me how y'all the the word is the word for all of us but it 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 looks different on on us at times no it's it, it's like learning isn't it we learn we, it's a slow progress taking off those works of the flesh and putting on the fruits of the spirit they don't come overnight and I mean, like when I was listening to her, I'm like, oh, I can fit. I know there's areas I need to improve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> We're all a work in progress, right? That's right. Every That's morning right. we wake up, it's another day to work and strive towards those goals, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. the miracle of this. <laughs> My, my husband saying <laughs> do an audio bible barely um, <laughs> i agree audio bible, I, I agree too <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would actually love to <laughs> we'd all love you too i know what i'd be listening to for to sleep at night time anyway yeah. <laughs> have nice dreams then i'm sure <laughs> maybe it'll have to be another out of africa production Maybe we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Well, my lovely ladies, this has been a very interesting discussion. And I think that we can say while the Catholic seven deadly sins and virtues may not be found in scripture, that Yah has outlined ruaks and works that are for the good. And ruacks and tendencies, lusts that are for the bad and that they are within us all. And that maybe there is something in the idea of overcoming those bad ones using those good. Mm -hmm. So, and maybe something in music and frequencies too, which might be worth taking a look at and speech, Mm -hmm. you know, like you were saying how there's 17 and it's related to the pay. We had Lee bring out that we have that the speech one in the one of Ruben, maybe definitely something to look at too. Yeah. So 
I think that we can come up with a wonderful list of things to look at and maybe conjoining those three things that you all have read about today mm-hmm. to and in, in the wicked side in particular there's yeah. definitely things that line up throughout the scriptures so my lovely ladies is there anything you want to say before we finish today no i i mean i think that this is a really interesting study I, i'm excited for where we go with it next i know this is going to be a theme for a while and so um cat's our lead on this theme so we're going to allow her to um send us out where what direction we're going next so i'm excited to see what you send to us cat i am too <laughs> you're more excited than i <laughs> <laughs> okay well i thank everybody in the comments for being with us we've seen i've seen some names i don't know that i've seen before today with us which is absolutely lovely to see new people coming on board the heart of the tribe and joining this lovely family that we are building here so tomorrow at 9 30 we will have mercy poured forth who's taking tomorrow someone let me know that would be my husband james 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 is doing tomorrow and he always has a wonderful (laughs) word for us on mercy poured forth uh out of africa at 1 p.m and that is the lovely melissa's husband chris always exciting he's taking us through the book of hebrews where are we up to on that shell um and the book of hebrews you mean yeah i believe that he just finished the inner introduction introduction yeah yeah Yeah. so we're getting into almost not quite not Part five. Part five of the introduction. That's awesome. That's digging deep. No, that's really laying foundation, though, isn't it? It is. What we're all about, laying that foundation. Amen. So that will be on at 1 p.m. EST. And then at 7 p.m. So tomorrow we have Lee's husband. We then have Chris's husband. And to finish the day off, we will have Shell's lovely husband, yeah. Robert Wagner, on at yeah. 7 p.m. EST with Saved with, by Grace. And he is telling us his life story, isn't he? A little he at is. a time. He is. I mean, it, it's really, wow. you know, when you've been through that kind of trauma, it's really a healing process you know, for the person telling their story to be able to share that and to know it kind of takes some of that power and sting that that thing has always had over you and throws it out when you, when you're able to share it with others, you know, they, there's a saying that says our secrets are what keep us sick because the enemy can use that against us for shame, you know, and try to manipulate us with that. Um, I do want to mention too, I will be doing the Bessera portion tomorrow at uh, 10, 10 o'clock. Yeah, so I thought right there was one I missed. Yeah, there, there was. We have a lot going on. I, I, it's really fun. It's really interesting how much we've got got going on on a daily basis. So, yeah. So, Wednesday is a lovely jam packed day for us, and Shell always yeah. brings something wonderful out of that Bessera portion. So, please do join her at 10 a.m. Eastern, too. So, ladies, it's been fabulous today with you all. Nice laying those foundations for the coming weeks that we'll be looking into those wicked and good things within us all. So I'll ask that everyone join us again at the same time next week for another Walking in the Word. We cannot wait to be with you all again.
and we'll all say your blessing shalom that's right shalom 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 day and night and night and day the living creatures give their praise to him who lives eternally they never cease from saying